What's good, everybody? This is your boy Mel, aka Naldo Formula One, and you are now tuned into the Naldo F1 podcast. This is going to be my ninth episode and my preview episode for the 2023 F1 season that's coming up really, really soon. And so, yeah, we're just going to go over some of what's happened in the off season so far and what I'm predicting for this upcoming season. I think it's going to be super exciting. I think it's going to be way more competitive than the 2022 season was. And I think that we just really have a lot to look forward to just as F1 as a culture. I think that it's really starting to become a culture kind of like how the NBA and NFL have their own culture as far as the community and social media aspects, F1 Twitter, even though we know that that gets a little crazy sometimes, just like every other sport. But yeah, it, let's just get right into it, man. It's We're about 30, I believe 34 days out from the F1 season starting the actual race day in Bahrain and I am literally counting down the days like it has been such a it's been such a tough time not having Formula One I am a follower of and a fan of other sports like I watch basketball and football and some baseball and stuff like that but it just seems like nothing else fills the void for me that's not F1 I just don't I don't know what it is. I've fallen in love since I've became a fan of the sport and it's pretty much taken over my life. I'm always on the internet reading about news and just finding any kind of F1. It's almost like a fix, like finding any kind of F1 content that I possibly can. And so yeah, with this especially this season, I just can't wait to get back into the full swing of the season. But right now we're pretty much just looking forward to car reveals over the next month, really over the next two weeks or so. So those are going to start coming up in the next couple of days. I believe that Haas, with their new sponsorship and MoneyGram, they just signed a new title sponsor. And so that should bring a lot of more like cash flow and stuff into their program. And it looks like they're probably going to hit the budget cap for the first time. I think, well, the budget cap is a new entity, but hit the budget cap for the first time in their existence so hopefully that means that they'll be a lot more competitive this season i know that they've shared a lot of parts and like research with ferrari in the past up to what's legal obviously but it seems like they're taking a step forward into trying to become a really serious f1 team and something some a program that's going to make an impact on the grid in the future but they're up next um I'm intrigued to see where they're going to go with the livery because, you know, before when they were with Urakali and they had Mazepin, it was basically a, a Russian car. Like the the livery was the Russian colors and obviously Urakali being their title sponsor and the Mazepin family funding a lot of what Haas had going on while Mazepin was there had a lot to do with that. But I really want them to dig into their American roots. I think that it would be really nice to see them really push that forward, especially with how popular Formula One is becoming in America. I think that they should dig in and really try to tap into that growing American fan base. I mean, this coming up year, we're going to have three American races on the grid, which I never thought would happen. I don't think any F1 fan thought would happen. Now, whether they should be or not is – a different question for a different day. Everybody's going to have their opinion on that. I think that we could have 
personally picked better tracks or potentially develop better tracks. But I know there's other things that go into that type of um, infrastructure and things like that. Like who's going to want to invest hundreds of millions of dollars to build a brand new grade one facility racetrack when just the reality is as a sport racing is just not that popular it's expensive to run a facility like that so i understand from a logistics perspective street races are probably the best option just uh, to try to get it into new cities at least until the fan base grows and there's a proven commodity that people want to watch this and that they're going to pay for tickets year in and year out but i mean hell those uh those Vegas ticket packages are a little insane. So I think somebody's paying for it. And honestly, me and my fiance were trying to go to the Vegas race this year. And even through like the, the American express like rewards system or whatever, where you get early access to the, the tickets, they were still sold out in like seconds, I think. And by the time we even were able to get into the queue to try to purchase the tickets, they were, I think the cheapest tickets available were like 2000 a piece for like a weekend pass. And that didn't include any kind of accommodations, no stay, no flight. So that would have probably ended up easily being a seven, eight, nine, ten thousand thousand trip, $10,000 trip for us. And being in the middle of wedding planning, I don't think that's really a realistic option for us right now. So we'll probably end up at Coda this year. That's what I'm hoping for is that we can try to get up to Coda. We have family and friends in Austin. So staying is not going to be a problem. Coda is about two and a half hours from me. I'm in Houston, Texas, so that should be pretty accessible and realistic. I just think Vegas, they're Vegas and Miami. They're trying to make it the Monaco of the U.S. It's going to be like late at night. I think it's going to be like 12, like uh, lights out is going to be around midnight my time. And I'm only, I'm two hours, I think an hour or two hours behind Vegas. I don't know if they're on mountain time or Pacific time, whatever, but yeah, it's going to be like midnight my time watching the race. I mean, I'm going to stay up and watch it. I'm not complaining, but they're trying to make it its own entity and make it bigger than, I guess, just racing. So, yeah, man, back to car reveals. I think Red Bull comes after that. I think they're on the first or the second of uh, – oh, actually, they're on the third. So they're on the third of February, which um, will be at the end of the week. I don't really expect too much different from Red Bull. They've had the same livery for the past, I think, seven or eight years, essentially. I mean, they've changed a couple of graphics and sponsorships, but the overall construction of the livery and maybe the shades of blue have changed, but the overall constructions have pretty much been the exact same for the past, like, nine years, eight or nine years or so. And then we have about a week or so break, and then we have um, – it really kicks off Williams on the 6th, Alpha Romeo on the 7th, and then – Alpha Tauri on the 11th, uh, Aston Martin and McLaren on the 13th, uh, Ferrari on Valentine's Day on the 14th, Mercedes on the 15th, and finishing up is going to be Alpine on the 16th. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what the cars are going to look like, who's going to change, like, their infrastructure. Now, obviously, they're probably going to use a lot of, like, press release vehicles and not try to give away too much with how the car is actually going to be structured. I don't expect much change from the teams at the top, like Red Bull and Ferrari. I think they're pretty much set in their philosophy. Even Total Wolf came out earlier this offseason, or I don't know if we call it offseason, I guess winter break, but he said that from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like 
the W14 is going to be much different from the W13 of the 2022 season, but it's really the the floor and the underbody where a lot of the major changes has happened, and that's where these new cars are producing the majority of their downforce. So I'm excited to see how that pans out and see if they can actually get towards the front of the grid again. But um, And then we got Drive to Survive, everybody's favorite, love to hate it, Netflix series on Formula One, love it or hate it. It's gotten an influx of new fans into the sport, and I think it's, it is what it is. It's been great for the sport. I watched it. Um, I was I knew about Formula One beforehand, but I can't even lie. It really wanted me inspired me to want to do a deep dive into formula one and really learn the sport now what you do with drive to survive is completely different so if you decide to just take drive to survive exactly what it is and think that that's what the sport is i would say yes and no but usually it's a good basically platform a good like um what am i like a diving board like a springboard to get you deep into the sport and that's what i used it as i used it to really inspire me to do my own research on the sport learn the history and learn the ins and outs of the sport and how it works and stuff like that and obviously i've fallen in love i'm sitting here talking y'all's ears off about uh formula one so yeah i think that uh drive to survive is going to be really exciting i think that they're probably going to have to stretch a couple of the storylines um as far as like what happened off the track more so than what happened on the track. Cause I mean, on the track, it was mostly Max Verstappen dominance and it looked like we might've had a two way fight between uh red bull and Ferrari and Leclerc and Max, but about halfway through the season, it was just all Max all the way. And it was really just nobody who was going to be able to contend with them and Ferrari from their strategies to their reliability to just how harsh the car was on tires it seems that just I don't think it was ever going to work out in their favor and I do believe that Max was probably going to win the championship no matter what even if you take out all the Ferraris uh why don't that that sounded weird Ferraris blunders throughout the season I think that Max probably still would have won the championship regardless so it is what it is. Um, I am excited just for, like I said, I'm itching for any kind of Formula One content. So I'm definitely going to be tuned in to Drive to Survive come February 24th. So this next month will really kind of get the build up going for uh, the Formula One season. With it just being just, just over a month out, it's going to come up really, really fast. So that's going to be really nice. And so... Now I'm going to get into some of maybe the off-season storylines and what I've kind of just been monitoring. I know I've been away. I've been on kind of a hiatus. I've had a lot going on. Um, got recently got engaged. Obviously, you heard me say my fiance earlier. So head first in like wedding planning and stuff. We moved to a different area of Houston. So getting adjusted to a new home, a new area, learning restaurants and back roads and all the stuff that comes with moving to basically a new area and starting a new chapter of your life. So but now I'm ready to take a full deep dive into Naldo. Um, you see, this is going to be my first video podcast, and um, I'm just so excited. I'm looking to upgrade some of my equipment in the future as far as like cameras and microphones, editing software, that kind of thing, getting the setup right. I mean, I like this little like lounge kind of kind of look with my uh, my F1 blanket that my fiance got for 
um my birthday she did a whole f1 thing birthday so i got like a a coffee cup and some books and some knickknacks and stickers and that kind of thing and this was kind of one of the piece de resistances this is it's basically just a blanket that has all the tracks on from the 2022 season on it and i thought it would just be a nice little backdrop i got my my lewis hamilton lego f1 car up here i got uh some other stuff in the background that's not on camera but yeah i think that i'm just trying to play with the setup and figure out where's the best place to record i thought it would look too weird if i was on my desk i wanted it to be a little bit more of a relaxed environment so hopefully in the future i can have some guests on and we can change tweak the setup a little bit to make a little bit more room for guests this couch is a little small but yeah, man, I, I got big plans for Naldo in the future. I'm really ready to go head first um, into this world and really try to open up the F1 world to a brand new chapter of people. So, hey, if you got any questions, if you ever want to chat F1 or if you want to know anything else, man, just hit me up on any of my socials. It's all at Naldo Formula One on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, YouTube twitch wherever i'm going to be twitch streaming a lot more games i did one twitch stream for the brazilian grand prix last year and it went really well and so i'm excited to do that in the future some more for some of the bigger races probably not every weekend just because of like the timing and stuff when i'm in north america a lot of my friends and family and stuff like that are going to be tuned in and my demographic that i'm trying to reach out to is going to be american based and a lot of the races are kind of early like i'm not going to be up at 8 a.m trying to live stream some of the races at least not yet at least not until the demand is there for it so but yeah i just wanted to kind of keep you guys up to speed with what i got going on man um in this naldo project and growing in on this journey and stuff like that so Hey, if you tuned in, I really appreciate you. Uh, leave me a five-star review on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave a like on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Just any kind of interaction, comments, follows on Instagram, all of that stuff matters. Just trying to get the algorithm going, flowing with my name in there. So, yeah, uh, that'll be do it for that sector. Just wanted to give you guys a sneak peek, sneak peek preview as to what I got going on in the future. But let's get back to the 2023 season and uh, basically some of the off-season uh, storylines and stuff like that that we're developing and that uh, we're looking forward to seeing how they how they come out. So really the biggest one I think we all know is the Andretti Cadillac announcement. So if you're not familiar, um, Andretti has a racing program, racing company, that they're involved in more than just Formula One, but they're looking to bridge their way into Formula One. And at first, Andretti, um, yes, it's like Mario Andretti and his son, Michael Andretti. They are put trying to push into Formula One. And at first, they were trying to do it on their own. But uh, the Formula One teams and a lot of the bosses in Formula One and Liberty Media wanted to know that they were serious and that they weren't just one of those teams that was going to just come and go. We saw a lot. We saw a lot of that in the earlier part of the previous decades, so like the early 2010s and stuff like that. There was a couple teams that literally just came and went, and they were five, ten seconds a lap off the pace, and they were just absolutely nowhere. It didn't belong on the grid, and obviously that's bad for business. Nobody wants to see cars trundling around at the back, so they wanted to make sure that Andretti was going to be serious about this opportunity, whether 
it would be presented to them or not. And so Andretti did what I think is just the perfect American spirit. They just went all out balls to the wall and they decided to hit up General Motors, the biggest car manufacturer in the United States. And under the Cadillac umbrella, they partnered and are pushing forward to try to get an F1 team bid for a brand new team so they're not going to be trying to buy out another team like we're seeing with uh, Audi and the Sauber Alfa Romeo team in 2026 where they'll become an engine supplier and I'm sure at some point they'll look to buy that team out completely and it'll just be an Audi works team but this will be an 11 team on the grid so 22 drivers so on and so forth brand new from the ground up scratch so it's a really exciting project knowing that Andretti is going to have that GM backing and probably be hitting that budget cap and trying to get the maximum amount possible. I am intrigued to see how they're going to handle logistics wise as far as you need. Obviously, you need guys with knowledge for F1, all the computer simulations and stuff like that. That's it's great. But you need guys who have been on the ground with their boots strapped up, ready to go and like have actually produced results. So they're going to have to try to probably poach different technical guys and mechanics and stuff like that from current F1 teams and top F1 teams, you would think, because you don't want to be scraping guys off from like the back markers and stuff like that, because that's how you end up like a back marker. So I think with the GM backing and stuff like that and their development and resources, they're building a brand new facility in Indiana. It's beautiful. If you've seen the renders, just go Google uh, Andretti racing facility it's magnificent, one of the nicest that I've ever seen. And then it seems like if they do get the F1 bid, they will also develop a satellite location in Europe, most likely the UK, because that's where most of the Formula One teams are based out of. But we'll see, man. It's a really exciting project. I think that I would love to see GM and a, a true American team come into Formula One and compete now, how quickly that's going to happen is kind of the question that everybody's wondering. Some of the teams are against it because they don't want to dilute the the pot, which, I mean, I get it. These, these, things, these are businesses at the end of the day, and they're here to make money, and they're here to succeed. And so Andretti, would, they're upset about it, rightfully so, because they want in and they feel like they have a right to be in. And I think most people agree that they do have a right to be in but just from a business perspective if they were on the other side like say Williams Racing was trying to get into Formula One and Andretti had their spot Andretti would be feeling the exact same way they wouldn't want to add another team to the grid just because you end up diluting the money that you're going to get as far as prizes and stuff like that and then just frankly it's just another team to compete with like you you obviously Formula One teams and drivers and stuff, they're selfish. They want the success and the money for themselves. And so adding another team and two more drivers that you could potentially crash into or have to race with or whatever just complicates things a little bit more. So they definitely, I definitely understand where both sides are coming from. But me personally, I want to see Andretti in Formula One. And I'm definitely going to be a fan if they do get that bid just to, I got to support the home team, man. I just have to. It's it's, it's in my nature. Um, but, yeah, the Andretti project, I think, is a good one and probably the poster board story for the Formula One offseason. I mean, it's been the biggest thing 
that everybody's been talking about. When is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Do they have the money? Don't they have the money? All of that stuff. So as this story progresses, I'll definitely keep you guys updated. And if you want to know a little bit more, I can definitely send you guys some links to some articles, great writers, none of the clickbaity nonsense that um, you'll see a lot on social media and stuff like that. Real stuff, real information, credible sources, that kind of thing. But yeah, um, what else is going on? The So the Muhammad bin Salayim, I think it's Salayim. Please forgive me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. He's basically the FIA president and the guy, basically the, the poster child of Formula One, the head of Formula One. He's where the buck stops. He is the head of state, essentially, of Formula One. There was a little bit of controversy surrounding him in the past couple of weeks and some statements that he made in the past on like an old website where he, uh, I believe, I'm, I don't want to misquote, but something to the sense of that he disliked women that thought that they were as smart as men. And it was just just a poor comment, just distasteful. It was incorrect. I think it was uh, inappropriate. And he's come out and defended himself obviously and said that his track record speaks for itself and stuff like that and what he's done for women in the in motorsports in general and in formula one specifically and just the fact that he wants his actions to speak louder than what his words have said in the past and now i i kind of sit on the fence with this because i do believe that people need to be held accountable for the type of things that they say even if it was in the past i mean the internet is going to internet, man. They got receipts, man, and they'll pull them on you quickly, very quickly. As soon as you say something that they don't like or you say something that people don't agree with, they'll dig up all of the skeletons out of your closet. And that I don't necessarily agree with in the whole cancel culture thing, but I do believe that people need to be held accountable for the things that they do and the things that they say. So I think that I don't think he should lose his job or anything like that over it, but I do believe that there needs to be some sort of accountability, whether it be enforcing him to create some more initiatives for women and minorities and stuff like that in Formula One. I mean, we've seen a tremendous amount of growth in the past couple of years with women in sports in general, not even just Formula One. Like, there's plenty of women in the world that are into football, basketball, extremely knowledgeable and running their own shows, creating their own content, their media. And I believe that the same is true for Formula One. I believe it's moving in the right steps. I think that exposure is starting to become bigger. I mean, we've seen that the Formula One umbrella is going to take the W Series into it and basically use it as a feeder series to try to potentially get some women into Formula One. I'd be excited to see that at some point in the future. I don't know when that's going to be. I think it's going to take a little while and we're going to have to get, I mean, first we're going to have to get a woman in formula three and formula two first, and hopefully they perform and earn a spot in formula one at some point. I mean, we've seen women like Susie Wolf participate in practice sessions for the Williams team in a real formula one car. So we know that they're capable of doing it. It's just going to take the, the resources and the, the investment, the real, real um, interest in wanting to better the sport and create an inclusive environment within Formula One. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. I know that's been circling around, kind of hovering around the Formula One environment right now and the culture 
Uh, what else? Uh, we're in January, man. So this is full off-season swing. We're starting to see some leaks come out about what different teams are saying about their their cars and what they're expecting for the future. And I call it the the horsepower cap season. And shout out to Dan Engine Mode Eleven on Twitter. He's a great source. Somebody else to follow. Really knowledgeable in Formula One. But he cre- created like this entire graphic about how the winter break goes and like the timeline of how team what information leaks at certain points and like January is like every team is making 9,000 horsepower and they're making a trillion tons of downforce and all of their simulator data is showing them running 25 seconds faster than last year it's just reached that point of the season where teams are going to put out a lot of information now obviously we don't know any of that to be true until until Bahrain, basically, until lights out and away we go in the qualifying sessions, we don't really know how fast any of these guys are going to be. Even the preseason testing is – it'll give you somewhat of a representation, but not always. I mean, we saw from the Mercedes dominance, they used to struggle sometimes in preseason testing and then would come out race one and win by 75 seconds. So you got to take preseason testing with a little bit of grain of salt. Like I said, until that qualifying session – in Bahrain, I really kind of don't get into the technical development aspect in the offseason because teams are obviously going to say positive things and they want to put out positive information for for themselves and to t- create a hype around them. And they want everybody wants to believe that they have the best car. And on the simulator data, it probably does tell you that you have the best car. But until you get around the other 19 drivers or I guess 20 drivers if you're a full team or 18 drivers if you're a full team, and see how you stack up and where you fall on the timing sheets, there's really no way to tell. So, yeah, man, I think that that's it's, – it's just funny to watch because I think there were some Ferrari leaks and stuff like that, like saying they they found a reliable 90 more horsepower out of their engine setup or whatever. And whether that's true or not, nobody will ever know because they never really release horsepower numbers for um, – for Formula One teams, but I guess we'll have to see. I know Mercedes has put out a couple. Red Bull's been pretty quiet. Um, I think Zach Brown came out and said that McLaren is supposed to try to be contending for wins in the next two to three years or so consistently, but I think they said that two or three years ago, so it's not even it's, – it's a case of – it's not only you that's progressing, your rivals are progressing too. So you got to progress at a faster rate than your rivals in order to improve. It's not just about getting better. You can get better and find a couple of tenths of seconds every couple of months or every season or whatever. But if your rivals are finding that same couple of tenths of second or a lap, then you're in the same exact position. You're just getting faster, but you're still slower than everybody else if that makes sense so we'll have to see man i don't i'm not huge into the technical aspect of the formula one i understand it just from a conceptual standpoint but i don't really get into the whole numbers thing and stuff like that the on-track results will tell you everything that you need to know all right so moving on we have a lot of new faces on the grid both on the grid and in the paddock and on the pit wall and stuff like that most notably, Mattia Bonotto has left Ferrari as a team principal, and Fred Vasseur, I believe it's Fred Vasseur. Again, sorry for my pronunciations. I'm really not too familiar 
with like just naming and stuff and i'm just awful with names in general but fred Vasour has taken over he was alfa romeo's team boss for the past quite a few years i don't know exactly but yeah he's taken over at ferrari and i think that he it's probably a good move for Ferrari. I think he's very level-headed, and he's have he had experience with uh, Charles Leclerc in the past. Charles Leclerc driven for Alfa Romeo Sauber in his rookie season before he got the Ferrari contract. I think that he's very demanding, but also knows how to navigate basically the media and stuff like that because that's a whole secondary issue for Ferrari just specifically is that they're kind of like the New York media, the Italian media is not like the New York media. They love Ferrari to death and they'll grill you alive. Basically, if you don't have the information that they're looking for, or have the answers that they want to hear. But I think that he's the right type of guy. I hope that Ferrari keeps Mattia Bonotto there in a technical standpoint, because I think, do think that he did a lot of good work in, um, in Ferrari with bringing their car back to relevance and competing for championships, but I don't think that he has the, it's just an it factor that it requires to lead. And you either, I feel like you either have it or you don't, especially when it comes to Ferrari and all that pressure to win and how it seemed like they were so close at the beginning of the season. And yet somehow they ended up so far away, but yeah, that kind of wraps up my, my uh, off season kind of review, I guess. And the biggest storylines from the offseason, if there's something else that I missed and you want me to talk about it in a future episode, just leave it in the comments or in a review or something like that. And I'll definitely consider putting it in. Now I'm probably going to finish up with a couple of my 2023 season predictions and just what I think is going to occur over the course of this season. Nothing too specific. I'm not going to go down, like run down an entire grid or whatever, but. I'm just going to give a couple of little tidbits or whatever that I think they're going to going to develop over this coming up what year or so from March to December about what 10 months. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh just starting out, I think that I'm going bold here. I think that Merck is going to win the constructors championship. I think that they have the strongest driver pairing on the grid. We saw towards the end of last year they were getting back to their old ways and competing for wins. We saw George Russell take his maiden victory in Brazil in an amazing race that I did the watch along for. And I'm glad that I did that one. It was a good one to start with, but I think that Merck are going to get back to their winning ways. And with that being said, I think that Max is going to win his third driver's championship in a row. He's going to hat trick it. Uh, I think that, the Merck driver pairing being so strong is great for the team. I think it's going to hurt the drivers because I think that Lewis and George are going to take points off of each other and that Max is just so consistent that he's just always going to be there. And I think it'll be a little bit more heated this year with Lewis and George as opposed to last year. I think they worked great last year. Lewis seemed like he took a sacrifice at the beginning of the season to try to help develop the car while George was just looking to get maximum results. And I do think that despite George getting his maiden victory in the second half of the season, I think that Lewis was the better driver 
overall, and I think he got the maximum out of the car on a more consistent basis in the second half of the season. I think Lewis made a couple of key mistakes that probably cost him that standing in the championship or at least competing closer for that standing, which is why I don't believe that the points always tell the entire story when it comes to teammate battles. Now, George beat him fair and square. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but I don't think that the points – especially the points gap told the entire story. But I do think George was the more consistent driver. I think that Lewis was the quicker driver on any given weekend. I think that he was unlucky a couple of weekends with some safety cars and some technical issues and that sort of thing. But hey, that's just a part of the sport, man. F1 is brutal. And a lot of the, of what happens with your results is out of your control. You got to try, you got to have faith in your team. You got to have faith in the car and there's a lot of outside factors that you as the driver just can't control. So that's that's a part of the sport. It's always been a part of the sport, and it always will be. So, yeah, I think that Merck won the Constructors' Championship, and I think that Max uh, hat tricks and gets his third Drivers' Championship in a row. I would love for it to be Lewis. Um, I've made no quarrels about or never hid the fact that I am a Lewis fan, but – I'm also realistic, and I try to be as fair as possible, but I would love to see Lewis get his eighth championship at some point. I think that he deserved it in 2021, and I think that he deserves another shot at it, and I just believe that he'll get it. I think he's just the type that has that that killer mentality, and he just has that never-say-die attitude, and that if you give him a winning car, he's going to be at the forefront every single race uh, doing the maximum amount possible. Uh, another bold prediction, I think that Lando Norris is going to get his first win this season. I think we got robbed a little bit last season. We didn't get any surprise winners, which was – and really no surprise podium finishers. I mean, Lando and Imola was the only driver the entire season in 2022 to get a podium that wasn't in the top three, so that wasn't a Merck, Ferrari, or Red Bull driver. And so I think that – Lando is finally going to break through and get his first victory of the season. I, I just think that we're going to have some kind of crazy race at like a, I'm trying to think like a Singapore or a, like a Japan or something where he can, the top teams may be struggling or may take each other out and Lando's just right there. Cause he's just always seems to be right there, right at the back of contention. And I think that he'll finally break through and get that win this season. Um, I think that Oscar Piastri is going to get rookie of the year. I think that he's the most talented rookie coming in this year between the three rookies, him, Nick DeVries, and Logan Sargent and Williams. I think that he's going to – I don't think that he's going to challenge Lando too harshly as, a, as far as a teammate battle, but I do think he's going to do a lot better than Ricardo did this past season which is sad to say because I'm going to miss Danny Rick, and I hope that he gets another shot at some point in the future. But if not, I think that it's just – I think that he'll still find some way to be involved in motorsport. He's just a great personality. Um, I've talked with some friends and coworkers and stuff like that, and we would love to see him do – be like a pundit or do like announcing or commentating or something like that for ESPN or whatever. I think that if I was ESPN with their F1 contract, I would try to scoop Danny Rick up and try to make him the face of the new American F1 media. He loves, he's made no like hidden fact that he loves America and that 
he really enjoys like the culture down here, the music and stuff like that. He comes to visit fairly often. He's a big name. He's pretty well known in the States. So I think that he would do great in the media over here. And my final prediction is um, I think that Nick DeVries actually beats Yuki Sonoda and Alpha Tauri this season. I think that Nick DeVries, why I don't think he has that next level talent, like future champion talent, like a, Norris or a Russell or a Leclerc or Verstappen, that kind of talent. But I think that he is a very consistent driver. And I think that he will show that this season. And I think that's where Sonoda struggles in being consistent. He'll either be really, really fast or he'll put the car in the wall randomly or spin out randomly. There's no real in-between with Sonoda. I think if you look at any of his race grades from any other media outlet – it says the same thing. He's either doing really great and getting great A-plus type grades or he's getting Fs. And I think that DeVries' consistency will help propel him to a higher standing. I think he'll score points on a more consistent basis than Sonoda will. So, yeah, that's just a couple of little sneak tidbit previews for this uh, upcoming season and in 2023 I will probably do another podcast when Drive to Survive comes out after all the cars have been revealed and stuff, and I get to watch that and kind of do a review podcast. I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, It's going to be hard not to do it without spoilers, so I might have to push that back a little bit. But um, hopefully you guys are watching it along with me and kind of binging it like I like to binge my shows. But we'll just have to see, man. So. But that's going to wrap it up for for today. I didn't really want to take up too much of you guys' time and want to kind of enjoy my Sunday. Um, If you're listening to this, audio listeners, this will be out Monday morning. YouTube, it'll probably be out later on in the week. You know, just video editing and stuff like that just takes a little bit more time. But I appreciate you guys for listening. If you made it to the end, again, please subscribe or follow on all of my socials on YouTube, interact. Leave me a five-star review on wherever you're listening to your podcast and we will see you on the next episode peace